What are the key characteristics of a great advisor from the point of view of the CEO sitting on the board? And what are the points in common when advising very different types of companies and how to learn from each of them? And eventually, what is the importance of trust and authenticity for boards? Well, you'll see that these are some of the questions that we will explore today in this new episode of the VAB podcast that features our guest, Lance Laubach, a partner at Essential Advisory Partners, who has been the CEO at Capspire for almost 10 years, a technology consultancy that has been listed on Inc. magazine for six consecutive years as one of the fastest growing private companies in the US. He's had a career collaborating with high-performing teams and residing at the intersection of passions, talents, and successes while leading global consultancy practices, working with Fortune 500 companies, co-founding startups, and serving on advisory boards. He's based out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, and of course, he's a very engaged VAB member. So I can't wait for my chat with Lance. Uh, he's going to be uh, very interesting. And before getting to our chat with actually Lance, let me remind you about the purpose of this podcast. Across the episode, we will leverage on our guests' knowledge from the VAB community to learn with them about how you can become a better advisor and how you can accelerate your career and your business. So with this, I wanted to kick off this episode welcoming you, the guests and listeners, actually, ladies and gentlemen of the BAB community or people interested in advancing their advisory career. Here's your host, Andrea Iorio speaking. I'm an Italian keynote speaker to more than 100 companies per year, focusing on digital transformation, leadership and innovation, and a best-selling of two author of two books in Portuguese. I'm based out of Brazil, where I worked over the last 10 years as the head of Tinder in the region and as chief digital officer at L'Oreal, and where I today teach at the executive MBA at Fundação Don Cabral. And today, I have the great pleasure and honor of being in the great company of Lance Laubach, VAB member, a partner at Essential Advisory Partners, who has been also the CEO at Capspire, a technology consultancy. Welcome, Lance, to the VAB podcast. Great to be here. Looking forward to the conversation. Of course, Lance, and um, I wanted to start off giving you the chance to tell us a little bit more about your story to your to our audience. But a starting point, I would like you to comment on a quote by a fellow Oklahoman, Will Rogers, that you posted on your LinkedIn profile and that I loved, that says, even if you're on the right track, you'll get run over if you just sit there. And that's an amazing quote, by the way. And I wanted to know, why did you pick this quote and how has it shaped your career, uh, of which I love you? to talk more about now. Yeah, I'm glad you uh, pulled that out. Uh, the quote extends beyond the fact we both have the same home state. Uh, <laughs> and I'm an admirer of, of, of many things about Will Rogers. Uh, but uh, I'll actually connect that to my, my story because uh, my career began when I joined a boutique consulting firm after graduate school. Uh, what I was looking for then was I wanted to gain diverse experiences, continually learn, solve problems and, and really help others succeed. So this whole idea of, of continual learning uh, that people talk about uh, and knowing that even if you're having success, um, you know, there, there's always ways to improve that. It was kind of ingrained with, into me at an early age. Um, and I think those same things I was looking for in that first career opportunity, uh, first it checked all the boxes uh, when I finished my tenure there, but it's also kind of resonated with me through both my professional career as well as uh, the advisory and board type of experiences that I've had. 
That's really nice. And I think it really reflects, uh, uh, you know, uh, on the necessity for us just not to have just great ideas or just to pick the right path, but to actually execute uh, the whole time. And we just need to test, prototype, experiment for our career and businesses. Um, also, would you like to provide a little bit more about your uh, career and uh, uh, for our listeners to get to know better you and your uh, achievements? Sure. Well, professionally, I, I really lived at this intersection of consulting and technologies, namely enterprise software solutions. Uh, and leading those software startups that you mentioned, as well as consulting companies, they've mostly been uh, in a high growth arena, but they've, we've been doing business internationally. So I spent a couple of years working in Europe, uh, worked with clients in 13 countries around the globe. Uh, and so uh, it's been kind of a progression of experiences that have all followed the uh, kind of consulting technology intersection. Um, and then from, a, from our topic today around board service, I actually got engaged uh, with boards more than 20 years ago. And that started in the nonprofit sector, uh, expanded into academia or the public universities, and then crossed over. So uh, that's the business world and the, and the companies I've helped lead, as well as uh, serving on an advisory board of several startups. Uh, I think I lost track, a dozen plus uh, <laughs> different boards of various uh, you know, time durations as well. A couple of them have been fairly short uh, and there's a couple of cases where they lasted more than a decade. So That's interesting because my main takeaways from your path, basically, I would say the first one is that you had a double role as CEO, but also as board member. And uh, this is something we will touch upon. And the second thing is the variety of uh, uh, type of companies that you've been advising and uh, sitting on boards, uh, which also make it very unique uh, in a sense that you will be able to pinpoint maybe differences uh, or at least, you know, commonalities when advising different kinds of companies. And we'll also get there. But starting off from the first point that I think it's very uh, unique um, based on your background is that you've been a board member of the organizations you led as CEO, as well as you've been a board member of organizations you were not uh, a CEO. And so you have that double perspective that not everyone has. So that I wanted to explore with you from the perspective of the CEO, let's say from this external perspective, what did you feel were the main characteristics that made very good advisors to work with? And uh, what were these characteristics that you basically expected for people to have? Yeah. It, well, I, I've got three I'll touch on here. Uh, and the first <laughs> one, I, I simply can't avoid, even though we hear it from the advisory board side, what's it take to be a good advisor, someone talking to people that are interested in those opportunities. But, but the, the top of my list is simply that diversity of the board members. Uh, especially if you're in a smaller company or a mid-sized company and you're trying to grow, you can't have all that knowledge, all the experience residing within your organization. And obviously not within myself as a, as a leader of an organization. So, you know, the diversity spectrums are, are gender, race, age, some of those things come in. But the other dimensions around industry, geographies, uh, professional expertise, uh, you know, it, it is the whole gamut of diversity when we speak about that. And, yeah. and the value is thinking differently thinking outside the box, this idea of, of finding the better way and, and continually learning, uh, the filling the gap of the knowledge that I mentioned, the fresh perspectives that are brought to the conversations. Um, and, and, and frankly, those folks have their own networks. So when you're talking about trying to expand a footprint, grow a company, um, you, know, uh, you, know, you know, press the boundaries, uh, the fact that you can take 
your individual network as a leader or a, a leadership team within an organization and multiply it by the networks of the board members uh, is really valuable as well. So that, that has to be at top of my list. Um, totally. I totally agree. This, uh, you know, critical thinking also that, uh, you know, helps uh basically day-to-day -day, uh operations to kind of like see things from a different perspective because if we think about it you're so deep into our your day-to-day -day job as a ceo that you need someone else coming like a breath of fresh air that uh puts you in a different position maybe has the hard questions and so i think that's a very very important characteristic yeah and, and you read my notes number two open and directed communication so i mean <laughs> you, you could have that experience but if you aren't willing to bring it to the table and actually actually challenge and, and have the dialogue around it, then it's really a, it's really a missed opportunity. So yeah, number two is are people that are able to have open and direct communications, and and then the third is is being present. Um, I think a, a lot of us can fall in the trap of say, oh, we got invited to join a board. It's an interesting company. I'm going to sign up for it. Or if my name gets associated with this other organization, it benefits me in some manner. But from the from the company perspective. Uh, you know, that's all great. We're glad you're excited to be part of the organization. But if you're not going to be present, if you're not going to commit the time, uh, then once again, it's it's not of high value, again, to me as a CEO or a leader of a company. I agree. It could be like a strong name, uh, one of those kind of like, uh, you know, uh, people that had a great career and they joined. But if they're first of all, agenda is too busy, or maybe they just do not get involved into the business as much as a CEO expects. I don't think they will add as much value as someone else that really, really is immersed into operations or at least follows the, the big picture uh, and the strategy. Uh, I think this is really important. And since we have already been talking, first of all, like based on your background and career, but at the same time, it uh, sounded to me that, uh, of course, you value like these diverse experiences and these kind of like multiple viewpoints uh, as part of a good advisor. Uh, you yourself have actually gone through that in a way that you have had experience advising and sitting on boards of very different kinds of companies from nonprofits, uh, you know, youth related organizations, technology, education, energy. What do you feel are the main commonalities when it comes to advising these companies? And what might be its main differences, not necessarily sector by sector, but in a way that, uh, some of the highlights of uh, how we should maybe think about advising uh, a nonprofit with respect to, of course, a for-profit company. Uh, and maybe there are, though, some very strong points in common uh, when doing that. Yeah. Well, um, the experiences will vary by you know, different uh, organizations. Uh, but when I was thinking through this, uh, you know, I actually struggled to, to come up with a lot of differences that were unique by the type of, of nonprofit, academic, business-oriented. More so, the underlying personality of the organization is what has driven the differences that I've had with board experience. If an organization is more laissez-faire um, and looking for the occasional touch points with you uh, in any of those settings, uh, that is a distinct personality that some boards have. Uh, it may be more of of having access to your network or, or wanting your name recognition and so it's less of what i'd call a working board it's more of a um uh, again network loosely coupled group of people that that meet you know every so often where there have absolutely been boards across all those all those different dimensions that we mentioned that uh, have been very structured very formalized 
looking for you to roll up your sleeves and add value as part of that. Uh, and so really the underlying organization um, and, the, and what they're trying to achieve with the board has influenced most of the differences that I've seen across my experiences. And I like when you talk about personalities of boards and maybe, I don't know about it, if I should guess, you may be talking about like a reflection of company's culture in a way. Uh, I don't know whether that's correct and you can uh, correct me or, 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 or basically better explain your, your interpretation of that. But to me, this points to the fact that the main differences in advising companies might be a reflection of different culture of the companies. And so uh, how would you be able to adapt to different company culture or do you feel that as an advisor you should uh, kind of like set what's your uh, company north uh, uh, cultural north star and stick to those values and uh, you know just pick companies or at least advise companies that you feel you share these personality traits and cultural traits or you feel you can develop those uh, and basically adapt further um, it might be a combination of both or some different variations of that but uh if uh, board personality is a reflection of culture, how can advisors adapt uh, to different cultures? Well, it is the underlying culture of the organization that's driving what I spoke to earlier. Um, and then I think understanding the culture of the organization that you're signing up to be a board member for is, is a critical kind of checkbox that needs to be done in advance of making that commitment. Um, and then as you're part of that discovery though, it really is asking that question. Um, you know, is this the culture that the leadership, because they're the one, I mean, we're advisors. They're the ones waking up every day, uh, you know, in any of those settings from a nonprofit that, that are giving tons of energy uh, and emotion to trying to, to make, you know, change the society to those businesses that are trying to make a profit and, and grow their organizations. Uh, they're still the ones executing. Uh, and it'll be very difficult unless you're invited to do so to change the culture of the leadership team and that organization. I know there are opportunities to do that. And some, sometimes that's an ask. You know, we would like this board to help us shape and mature the culture or evolve it somehow. But that, unless that's an invitation to do so, I think it's probably a difficult challenge to take on. So being aware of what the underlying culture is, if it matches your values and, and the way that you like to operate and you'll, feel, and you'll be fulfilled by it. And then whether or not there is a, if it is a disconnect, whether or not there is an opportunity or ask to try to help influence that. Um, and I like this, Lance, because oftentimes people might associate values with culture and we know they do not necessarily match. You can have very, very strong values and kind of like, you know, very clear. They, you know, you send an internal memo, you say we are, you know, our value is uh, innovation or it's like uh, transparency or it's like authenticity. Uh, but then if in our day-to-day -day actions, we do not reflect those values in what we do, uh, we cannot say we have, you know, a culture that is based on these values. And so um, I think that values are kind of like the, 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 the fertile ground for culture, but it's not necessarily means that if we pick those values, we will have a company culture like that. We have to live those values in everything we do uh, and so on. And when we come to the values that create good cultures or good company cultures, uh, especially at the board level in a sense that you talked about the importance of communication, uh, some very important values that come to mind to me are trust, authenticity, uh, ethics, of course. And I wanted to get your perspective on uh, 
what is the importance of these characteristics on boards? And uh, especially speaking with you uh, before this episode, I understood you really value those as being part of the uh, board, basically behavior, culture, and uh, as you mentioned before, personality. Um, why do you feel they're so important? And of course, I'm sure that each one of us agrees that they're important. I don't know, right. though, if each one of us lives these values and makes them part of our culture in our day to day. So also your suggestion on how we can do that. Yeah, uh, you actually hit on one of my favorite words, which is trust. You know, I believe trust is the most valuable currency that we exchange with each other. It's key to success, be it personal or professional. And it could take various definitions. But uh, early in my career, I kind of had an epiphany and landed on something that I've carried forward with 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 my own uh, kind of beliefs uh, in the organizations I've been a part of, that, that trust is built on really three dimensions, competency, execution, and integrity. Mm -hmm. So the competency is the requisite knowledge and skills, abilities, experience, things you build over time. That execution is a commitment, uh, really in the ability to complete an endeavor, you know, do something successfully and really make that competency come to life. Um, and then where, where that really applies to the board, maybe as much as anything, is around the integrity. It's operating under those guiding principles of honesty and fairness uh, with the best interests of others in mind. So when, yeah. I, when, I, when I take that and try to translate it specifically to board service, once again, um, this idea of having a diversity and competencies that you have on your board uh, and having people bring that to the table. But if you're sitting in the room, but you don't share it, you can't execute, you can't add value with it, you can't do that second piece, then it still becomes irrelevant. So you've got to connect those two pieces. Um, and then uh, we hit on this one again a little bit earlier as well, but being there for the benefit of the organization, not being there for the benefit of self. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think if you have a room, it's very powerful. You can use a lot of, throw a lot of sports analogies in if you like. But if you have, you have people in the, that, know their competency, know their role, uh, are willing to participate in that way that, it, that it's illuminated uh, and that they're there to participate as part of that team uh, collectively, uh, not just for self-interest, then I think that adds, you know, just that opportunity to elevate the performance of a board. Yeah, definitely not uh, doing so would be definitely a breach of authenticity because you're on that board for your own personal purpose and not for the overall uh purpose of the board and and of the company i mean uh, definitely you would have that agency problem with uh, non-aligned interests and i think that's too risky uh, have you ever lived any situation like that while uh you know sitting on boards I, I, well i've 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 witnessed other other people that were sitting <laughs> yeah. on the board that uh noticeable that sometimes you realize they were they were really advocating for a solution that, that may have been to their own best interest in their organization yeah. best interest uh, versus versus the board. So uh, I'll say details uh, <laughs> of, of that type of experience. But for those of us that have that have served on multiple boards, you see that. And yeah. I probably the, the area where I see it the most is simply when you get into the the ones that seem less uh, less official or formal, maybe some of the nonprofit boards, which tend to be larger, the ones I've served on at least. Um, you know, there'll be 20 or 30 people on a board because they're looking for diversity. They're looking for people that can influence funding and networking and stuff like that. But a lot of people in there will simply just be in there for name recognition and, and, and not fully present and, and engaged. Uh, and yes. so, so that's probably where I've seen the highest volume, the lowest, lowest kind of impact. Yeah, the rest definitely. of the organization kind of occur. 
Yeah, these are those situations. And when we think about, or at least I think about trust and authenticity, to me, uh, it is very much reflected in, on, on everything that VAB does and its members and its network. And so, uh, it, you know, hopping on those uh, values, uh, I wanted to pivot to VAB and your experience. Um, basically, how it has worked out, like, being a VAB member for you, it has been a, a, a good experience. Uh, did it bring uh, any results to your career? And also, I wanted to know, Lance, what would you recommend to even your fellow VABers in the United States? Why not specifically for the United States? How you can get most out of the VAB community? Um, you want to share anything that has sure. worked for you? No, well, I, uh, back to the, the why of VAB. So I joined VAB in September of 2020. I, I yeah. became aware of Mark Hamill through YPO and got an appreciation of, of some of the early board members or members of VAB. And when I looked around, I saw some of those attributes we talked about earlier. I saw smart, successful, engaging, authentic people in the room or in the virtual rooms, you know, having these interactions. And, and, and my, uh, my first and, and frankly primary reason to join was I want to be, I want to be like those people. I want to yeah, be connected yeah, yeah. to those individuals uh, and the diversity of their experiences and, and the richness of their, of, of, you know, their careers and the like. And so I, I simply was, was eager to, to you know, to, to, to tap into that some. And I still, you know, if you're even on the right track, you know, you run over, you just sit there. Uh, I knew I could still learn, right? And I could still grow uh, and improve as, as a board member. So the educational piece of it, I was excited about, you know, there's that the idea of maybe being introduced to new opportunities as well, yeah. uh, which was on the list, but wasn't necessarily atop the list. And, and frankly, the greatest value I may have gotten tactically from a career perspective was I flipped that. And I actually, a couple of times for, for a board I was setting up and for another one I was on, you know, actually used uh, exactly. VAB as, as a, as a uh, audience of potential board it's members. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So I wasn't expecting that, you know, day one. And then lo and behold, a couple months in, I was asking Mark, hey, how do I, how do I publish this ask and identify some potential candidates to join me on the board? That's amazing. Uh, so that was, that was refreshing. Yeah, most of the time from guests here on the podcast, we hear how, uh, you know, they generate opportunities for themselves. But at the same time, it's so interesting to know how you can generate opportunities for the others because you might have a specific need. Uh, you know, you're looking for someone very specific on a board. And uh, I think VAB is the first place where you you might look at, right? So yeah. interesting it um, has worked for you. Yeah, to the advice, I'll actually pull in another quote. Uh, this one's actually from my father, though, less, a little less famous. Uh, also, Oklahoman. <laughs> Also in Oklahoma, you're correct, yeah. Uh, and he, he always told us growing up, uh, and we were up on a farm, we said, you don't have to do it, you get to do it. Yeah. Um, and I think that resonates when we think about an organization like VAB, because there are no minimum requirements. You, you, sign, you pay dues, but you, you sign up and you have opportunities. You have opportunities yeah. to engage. You have opportunities to meet other people. You have opportunities to participate when you join a call, for instance. Um, and so, you know, all of our uh, professional and personal um, conflicts of time will mean that we ebb and flow through our experience. Uh, but when you do have the moment to take advantage of the opportunities, that's the best advice I could, I could give myself or other VAB members. That's amazing, Lance. No, definitely. And I love, uh, uh, you know, I'm going to research more on your fellow Oklahomans in terms of quotes and inspirations because they're always <laughs> very good. Uh, there must yeah. be something out there. <laughs> no, that's amazing. Um, and actually talking about inspiration, now that we're moving towards the end of our chat, I wanted to pick your brains on any 
book, podcast, piece of content or documentary or anything that actually you wanted to share to our audience because it really helped you to become a better advisor and board member. Is there anything that you really liked uh, in your content and uh, things like these? Yeah, several come to mind, but but I will I will actually land on one that was shared with me initially by an advisor, and okay. that is Simon Simon Sinek and start with why. Yeah. So more than a, more than a decade ago, that book was introduced uh, to me and my organization, and we went through the journey of discovery that's associated with that. Yeah. And it was extremely extremely powerful. So um, you know, related to advisory in particular, it goes back to you know we should. We should try to understand some of those dimensions. We walk into an organization, you know, you know, what is their why? How are they? How are they unique in what they're delivering? You know, what is it that they actually do is, is kind of foundational. Um, and and frankly, if an organization has blind spots, maybe on the how or the why, I mean, it, it's our job as an advisor to to press them on some of those things. Maybe help maybe help trigger some of that. Um, and then, frankly, I also flip it when we think about it's slightly different context. But I ask this question to myself when I'm thinking about an opportunity. Why, why am I doing the advisory work in general? Uh, why am I interested in work with this particular company? You know, how, can I, how am I uniquely qualified to add value? Because uh, I, I want to do that. I want to be engaged. And then, and then what is expected of me in my time? So that, that wasn't the intent of the book, but those same three resonating questions um, you know, come to mind whenever I, I try to process uh, opportunities to get engaged. That's awesome. And, and you know, Speaking on that, uh, there is one of other, uh, another Simon Sinek's book that is also great for leaders. I think it's called Leaders Eat Last. It's about basically vulnerability of leaders and them uh, uh, sacrificing themselves uh, in order to get uh, and create a circle of safety with uh, with their employees. Uh, Simon is amazing and I'm really happy you shared this example because I think everyone, uh, if they haven't read it yet, because uh, he's really famous, his TED talk went viral and he's always uh, out there on YouTube and everything, uh, but it's definitely a great read uh, that it's very uh, updated even uh, nowadays, right? So I think it's very nice. Um, Lance, now that we uh, had our chat, we got your recommendation. I really wanted to thank you for your participation to this episode. I think it was a great chat. Our listeners, for sure, uh, they are going to leave this episode with a lot of inspiration. So I really want to thank you for being with us at the VAB podcast. That's been a pleasure. Thank you, Lance. Thanks, Andre. Thank you. Um, and uh, to whom I'd be listening now that we've reached the end. I really hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. And if you did, don't forget to share it with your colleagues, friends, family, whomever you think will benefit from the episode. Um, and be sure also to expect more and more high quality content over the next one with more guests from the VAB community coming to share their knowledge and ideas. So stay tuned. And that's it for now from the VAB podcast and See you in the next episode. Thanks a lot.